All right, we are back. I mentioned at the top of the show that we had another quote of the day that we need to start this um, this segment with. Actually, let me let me build up to this. I have to frame this properly, I think. This comes from an obituary from Bernd Freytag von Loringhoven, the Wehrmacht officer who survived Hitler's bunker. On April 29, 1945, as Soviet troops were blasting the remains of the Third Reich into rubble, in Adolf Hitler's underground Berlin bunker, 31-year-old Major Baron Bernd Freytag von Loringhoven was serving the Nazi Führer. He, uh, according to reports of his, uh, of his death, noted that he was shaken after Hitler had declared that he wanted all Germans to fight to the death. He apparently told Hitler at that point he wanted to, uh, to leave the bunker to try and rally whatever troops he could find. His real intention was to survive. Said von Loringhoven, as Hitler shook my hand and wished me luck, I saw a glint of envy in his eye. His job, prior to his escape one day before Hitler committed suicide, had been to gather military data, then compose maps and reports, which he presented to Hitler in daily briefings. He later admitted that his reports in the end uh, depended mainly on what the enemy's civilian radio announcers had to say. Said the LA Times, even as he worked 16 hours a day, the young major took note of the mad cast of characters that surrounded him. Party Secretary Martin Bormann skulked, he said later. Reichsmarshal Hermann Goering was dressed like a general in an operetta. As for Hitler, he could be very charming. He was a real Austrian. But as the end drew near, von Loringhofen said he came to see Hitler's true colors, bringing us to our second quote of the day, which is, quote, You realize he was an evil man, full of hatred for everybody. Note that at this point in time, the young major had been serving the Wehrmacht for six years. He took part in the invasion of Poland and of Russia. But it took him to literally the last day in the bunker to realize, you know, he was an evil man full of hatred for everybody. But here's something I find even more amazing about this guy. After he got out of the bunker and managed to avoid uh, the Soviet army, he reached the American lines and surrendered to the British. He was a British POW for two years. In 1956, he joined the West German army, which eventually promoted him to a three-star general. He spent three years in Washington, D.C. on the planning staff for NATO. We talked in our last segment about fascists in high places. Well, there's an example for you. And I'm sure at this point some of our loyal listeners have noticed that we didn't do the good, the bad, and the ugly at the top of the program. So let's do it now. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for air travelers when the Federal Communications Commission dropped a plan to allow cell phone use on commercial flights. Yay. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for executive privilege after a Connecticut man captured following a high-speed car chase tried to talk his way out of trouble by telling cops he was Vice President Dick Cheney. Reportedly, John Spurnack, 42, was promptly tasered, handcuffed, and sent for psychiatric evaluation. Radio Parallax, in fact, does not know what happens when Vice President Dick Cheney is pulled over, but we think that 
tasered, handcuffed, and sent for psychiatric evaluation is not a bad idea. And this last week was an ugly week for free expression. After Sacramento's Scandia Fun Center adopted a no-screaming policy on its new ride, the Screamer. A large propeller that whips passengers 165 feet into the air, then sends them on a 65-mile-an-hour 3.5 G-force loop down toward Interstate 80. Suggested a park spokesman, if you feel like you might make a noise, cover your mouth. Reported the Sacramento Bee, after riders are buckled into their seats, staff members lay down the law. No profanity, no screaming, no noise. Break the rules, they warn, and the ride will be cut short. (laughs) The paper noted, the rules make it sound more like boot camp than an amusement park ride. The no-scream rule on the Scandia Screamer was adopted to appease neighborhood residents. This week marked the 25th anniversary of the Falklands conflict, the war between Argentina and Great Britain. Britain commemorated the war with expressions of regret for the deaths on both sides. Conversely, in a great example of people not learning a lesson that should have been beaten into them, the Argentinian vice president, Daniel Scioli, said, The Malvinas are Argentine. Neither war nor the passage of time changes reality. The Falklands War, of course, was launched by the Argentinian dictatorship in a desperate bid for popularity. It ended 73 days later in humiliation as Argentina's ill-equipped conscripts surrendered to the British task force. Some good did come of, some good did come of the stupid conflict. Uh, the dictatorship of Argentina fell shortly afterwards. All right, let's return to the Northern Hemisphere for a startling example of stupidity, which is as follows. I'm going to quote from Matt Weiser's April 7th article in the Sacramento Bee. A national directive by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers could devastate scenery and wildlife habitat in California by forcing Central Valley flood control officials to chop down virtually all trees and shrubs on their levees. A compromise is being negotiated, but unless the policy changes, tree-lined banks on 1,600 miles of levees in the valley could be transformed into barren culverts within a year. Said Gary Hobgood, an environmental scientist with the California Department of Fish and Game, quote, As it stands now, California has lost 97% of its riparian habitat since the arrival of Europeans. So we're down to this last thread of habitat. At issue is a National Corps of Engineers policy now being applied to California. It requires levees to be cleared of all vegetation to preserve channel capacity and allow access for inspection and repair. The policy is largely based on conditions on the Mississippi and Missouri rivers, where ample wildlife habitat exists between levees and the water's edge. In California, unfortunately, levees were built close together after the gold rush to create high water velocities to flush mining debris out of rivers. In most areas, there is little space between levees and the water. Vegetation on levees provides the only riverside habitat. 
We should note uh, that the Army Corps of Engineers are the same idiots, and yes, there's just no other word for it, that we reported a couple weeks ago, uh, spent $32 million on the West Sacramento River levees, uh, and noted that there's now they're now falling apart. The April 1st uh, Sacramento Bee has a rather large picture showing this uh, slip on the levee, and, uh, and it's worthy of note, perhaps, that there are no trees and shrubs evident in the photograph, and yet the levee slipped anyway. We plan to cover this item extensively in the weeks and months to come because this is mind-bogglingly asinine. I'm sure about this because I saw what the Army Corps of Engineers... And what is the Army doing building levees all across America? Oh, and by the way, the work they've done on the Mississippi and Missouri rivers is now having to be redone everywhere because their effort to speed up the river and shorten the course that uh, barges and boats would take has caused so many problems, they're now lengthening the river once again. And no, I'm not making that up. In my hometown, which is Fremont, California, about 100 miles from this radio station, the Army Corps of Engineers stepped in in the early 1970s on a supposed flood control effort on Alameda Creek, where it comes out of Niles Canyon. In 1915, Charlie Chaplin filmed The Tramp, at this location, and it shows a rather pretty wooded area, which you know, most of it still is today. However, where the Army Corps of Engineers got involved, they created a giant culvert, which is reminiscent of what happened to the Los Angeles River down in L.A. Thirty-five years later, the landscape along the side of the river looks like something worthy of the Sea of Tranquility. It's mostly big rocks, small rocks, and intermediate-sized rocks. If any listeners are going to be in the area sometime in the future and you're there on Mission Boulevard where it joins Niles Canyon, take a look. In this case, a picture is surely worth a thousand words. And I'm sure it provides an example in this half a mile stretch of what the Army Corps of Engineers would like to multiply by a factor of 3,000 throughout the Central Valley. And uh, by the way, in the greater Sacramento area, they just conducted a phony baloney election supposedly to increase our flood control. This resulted because the Army Corps of Engineers and local politicians in bed with certain developers decided to develop the North Natomas area in a floodplain. When it was subsequently revealed that the levees aren't as safe as they were made out to be, they've decided to raise all of our assessments for flood control, even if you don't need it. So people like myself (laughs) where the flood control recently got so much better that we weren't required to have flood insurance, are now being asked to foot the bill for what's going on out in Natomas. I voted no, but uh, since there was absolutely no organized opposition to this measure, I'm sure it's going to pass. Doggone it, we're just about out of time. In fact, we are out of time. Our thanks to Chris Hedges, former Mideast Bureau Chief for the New York Times. His new book, American Fascists, The Christian Right and the War in America, is worth a look. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Please join us next week for our annual pledge drive. If you'll pledge $100 on next week's program during our hour, we will include a DVD of Iraq, for Sale, Robert Greenwald's excellent documentary. 
I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week. Breaks have no place to stay.